you will, take your Bibles and turn with me again to Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. We have been here for several weeks, and we will be here at least one more week after today. But I want us to think about today specifically what the Apostle Paul says about the gospel in this particular passage, in these two verses. These verses that are so important and so central to this book, and quite honestly, these two verses that are so central and, and, and important to our ministry here at Grace, these two verses that are so central and important to our mission to Canada or Columbus or wherever we go, this really is the heart of what we're talking about, folks. It's the reason we go. It's the reason we believe there is an imperative to take the gospel. We believe it to take it because Christ told us to in the Great Commission, obviously. But, but beyond that, it, there's, a, there's an imperative to take it because of what it is and the power that it is and, and the importance that it is to all who believe. And we need to give opportunity to believe. We need to take the gospel to those so that they will hear that gospel and believe that gospel. Hear the word of the Lord as I read from these two verses that we've read, as I said before, and we'll read some more. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, or from faith to faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Now, we've already talked about the whole concept of the Apostle Paul saying, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel. We've talked about why there may be temptations to be ashamed of the gospel or to be offended by the gospel. We've talked about how Paul must have been tempted to at least somehow be a little bit ashamed of the gospel, or he would not have as boldly and clearly have said here, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. But when Paul boils it all down, he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel for one very important one very central reason. It's the reason that he finds confidence in his ministry. It's the reason he finds assurance in his life. It's the reason that he presses on, no matter what comes his way, to carry this gospel to men and women who have never heard it. It's that important. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because the gospel is really the power of God. The gospel itself, the message itself, the work itself applied by the Holy Spirit is the absolute and complete and thorough power of God. Paul is not saying somehow, I have psyched myself up to be excited about the gospel. He's not saying somehow I've, I've worked myself up into this, this self-actualized state where I can say, I can face anything now because I've just strengthened myself to be able to do it. I want you to know, I've, I've worked at it, I've worked hard at it, and now I'm strong. I can face whatever comes my way. I can even be a spiritual masochist, if you will. I can take whatever you can throw at me. I can take shipwreck. I can take beatings. I can take people hating me and people wanting to throw me in jail. And indeed, people even wanting to kill me. I can take all that because I'm strong now in my own strength. Paul never said that because Paul didn't believe that. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel for this one reason. It and it alone is the power of God for salvation. It and it alone is the power of God that changes lives. 
It and it alone is the power of God that gives perseverance, that gives strength, that gives that ability to face whatever comes your way. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because the gospel, the gospel is the power of God for salvation to everyone, to anyone who believes. There is no no disappointment in the gospel. There is no failure in the gospel. There is no lack of oomph in the gospel. There's no lack of power in the gospel. The, The gospel is the ultimate, absolute power of God. Paul says, because of that, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Let the scoffers scoff, let the critics argue, let the profane ridicule and decry him and call him every sort of name and every sort of heretic that they can think of. Let them say to him, you've abandoned the faith of your fathers, you've abandoned the truth as we have seen it revealed. Paul says, let them come on because I see that they are operating out of just the ramblings of the ignorant and not with an understanding of what truth really is. Paul's greatest desire Paul's greatest passion is that the truth of God be exalted, that the power of God be seen, and that the power of God be a reality in your life and in my life. Not just, and we'll talk about this later, but just to kind of preview it, not just enough to get you saved. I grew up in a day where that's all you heard when I was a child, you know. I went to church Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, and basically there were, there were three points to every sermon. Jesus is Christ. You're going to hell if you don't believe in him, so believe in Jesus so you don't go to hell. That was it. I mean, there's a lot of different scriptures and all, the pastors and the preachers did through the years, but basically every sermon came down to those three points. Now, are those three points in error? Absolutely not. Are, are those three points truth? Absolutely. But is that all there is to the gospel message? Paul would say here, absolutely not. Jesus Christ has come into this earth, and I have seen his power. I've seen the power of God that is inherent in the gospel. And so whatever you bring my way, that is fine. I'll take the beatings. I'll take the shipwrecks. I'll take the threats of death. Because his power is now the power that indwells my life. It's not a weakness it's not, a, it's not a failure. It's the power of Almighty God. Now, now, you've heard it said before that the word power here that Paul uses is a word from which we get our words dynamic or dynamite, explosive, changing, you know, things that, that, that really just come on the scene with a, with a great uh, thorough explosiveness. And, and that is what Paul is saying here. He said, I want you to understand that this, this word, this gospel power, this power of God that expresses itself through the gospel is a power that moves things. It's, it's a power that brings change. It's a power that does not fail in what it sets out to do, whether in the world or in your life. If you are in Christ, it's this power that has invaded your life. It's this power that has filled your life. It's this power that gives you the ability to carry on and to keep going. It's not because you're a good person. It's not because you try harder. It's not because you feel like you're a little bit better than everybody else, and so you've got this higher uh, spiritual plane than everybody else. No. It's because if you are in Christ, the power of God has invaded your life, has filled your life, and, and, and that's what's taking place inside of you if you're in Christ. I believe that people 
all people, not just believers, but every person on the face of the earth has some kind of innate desire, inbuilt desire to change, to be better, to be, to be healthier, to, to, to look better, to feel better, you know, to, to, to go through whatever it takes to just be a little better at something. I want to I want to lose weight, I want to, I want to get stronger, I want, to, I want my makeup to look good so people think I'm 20 years younger, whatever. They, they want to do something to, to be better. I mean, let's face it, that's what the whole marketing and advertising industry in our nation is built upon, that people want to change in some way or another. But those are all superficial changes. Those are all things that have really nothing to do with, with reality. And as a matter of fact, religious groups can sometimes be just as bad as advertisers. We, we, we build a host of programs and philosophies and religions and, and all sorts of things. Just say, if you try this, if you do this, you, you'll do better. You'll be better. You've even heard Christianity probably proposed by some through the years that, you know, if you'll just come to Christ, everything will be great. Everything will work out. Your, your life will be set in order. And there will be no problems. There will be no complications. There will be no issues whatsoever. That is not what Christ said. He never said you come to me and all your problems are solved. Matter of fact, come to me and the world will hate you. You, you come to me and you're going to have situations where, where they're going to they're punish you. They're going to want to defeat you. They're going to want to maybe even kill you. Not because of you but because of this power that is indwelling you. A program and a philosophy and just a religion will not do that. And, and truth of the matter is, is try, try as hard as we might to try to change. The Scripture is very clear to us that in our own ability, in our own strength, we just can't do it. Matter of fact, Jeremiah the prophet made that comment. If you remember back in Jeremiah 13, 23, when he made the statement, he said, Can the Ethiopian change his skin or the, shepherd, or the leopard its spots? Can a person change the color of their skin just by willing it and by desiring it? Or can a, can a leopard change the spots that's on its body just by saying, I want to be white or I want to be black? Or I want to be... No, those are in place. They are indelible. And, and, Paul, and Jeremiah went on to say, if an Ethiopian can't change his skin or the leopard change his spots, then how can you do good who are so accustomed to evil? When, you're, when your innate life, when, you're, when what you are born as, as a sinner, continues to, to pursue evil, even when you say to yourself, I really want to do better, how can you change in and of your own strength? Jeremiah knew the Apostle Paul knew, the Lord Jesus Christ proclaimed in his ministry that the only power that's able to overcome man's sinful nature and impart spiritual life is the gospel. The gospel in its clarity and the gospel in its completeness. The gospel message that says man is a sinner because of the fall. That God created things perfectly, but, but man sinned in Adam and Eve, and that broke the whole thing and messed up the whole system. And there's been this pro progression through the years of God revealing Himself and showing Himself, ultimately culminating in the, in the revelation of Himself totally and completely in Jesus Christ, who, who as a perfect human being, without sin, tempted in every way that we are, yet without sin, 
went to the cross, died as a sacrifice and a substitute, and hung there and was spit upon and laughed at and ridiculed and said all sorts of manner against him, died on that cross, buried in a grave, three days later came forth out of the grave and ultimately ascended to the Father in victory over death. By the way, did you know today on the church calendar is Ascension Sunday? It's, it's the Sunday that celebrates the ascension of Christ after his resurrection, after his ministry among his apostles, after the death and burial and resurrection. It actually is marked on this past Thursday, but the Sunday following that Thursday is Ascension Sunday. And it's the day that we ought to think about that ascended Christ who, is, who, who came as a prophet, who came as a priest, and who is now reigning as a king and will one day again come back. That's the gospel message. He is our prophet to teach us the truth of God. He is our priest to stand in our place as our mediator. And he's coming again as reigning king. He is reigning now, but he's coming again. That about the ascensions, all a little extra there. But Paul says, I want you to know the gospel, the message, empowered by the Holy Spirit, empowered by truth. The gospel is the power of God for salvation. God's power works to bring salvation. Now, now there's a word that we tend to think is being just distinctly Christian. You know, you expect Christians to talk about being saved and salvation, and, and we think maybe that's a word that, that was just purely coined in the New Testament to relate to, to believers, but it's really not. It's a very common word in, in the New Testament times. It's a very common word that was used, and, and it, didn't, it carried with it very little religious connotation until the gospel made that application. The word soteria is, is really a, a common word that just simply meant to rescue or to make safe or to deliver, even to some degree to bring help. It was used in, in Paul's day. But when we think about it in context of the power of the gospel, the power of God in the gospel. Every one of these little subtle differences in the original meaning carry even a deeper message into the message of Jesus and what was done through his death, burial, and resurrection. As a matter of fact, he's rescued us from the clutches of sin and Satan. He's rescued us out of slavery to self. He has delivered us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light he's he's given us he's taken us out of the the death that we were in by because we were all dead in sin Ephesians 2 tells us and he has moved us out of death and into life so we're out of darkness into light out of death into life we have been rescued from the clutches of sin and death it's a part of the salvation Paul is talking about here he's made us safe by breaking the power of sin in our lives. He, he protects us and guards us by breaking that power. And he's delivered us from hell and bondage to the devil. And, and he brings us spiritual health as he is progressively conforming us into the image of his own son, Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but that little word, that little simple word, save, salvation, that sometimes we put on a plane up here because it is powerful, but it carries with it an understanding of multi-dimension when understood in its full context. There's another way to think about that salvation. 
Because as I said earlier, we tend to think that, that it just means I'm not ashamed of the gospel because the gospel is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. That the gospel is really only powerful and only necessary for the lost man. That, that quite honestly, if, if you're outside of Christ, you need the gospel. And, and, and that's true. If you're outside of Christ, you need to hear the gospel and hear the gospel message clearly proclaimed and hear the gospel declared in, in your life if you're outside of Christ. No doubt about that. And it's only through the gospel message that you can come to be in Christ. It's only through the gospel message that you can, as Paul said, to everyone who believes, come into Christ through the gospel. But folks, if we only see the gospel that Paul's talking about in Romans chapter 1 as being a gospel that delivers from death into life and then is over, we've missed the totalitarian, uh, the total message of the gospel. You need to understand that. Because when Paul uses that terminology, he's thinking not just of somebody getting in. That's what I was preached at all my life. Just get in through the gospel and everything will be all right. But the truth of the matter is, once you get in, the gospel is just as important to you then as it was before you were in Christ. You, you need the gospel today just as much as you needed it 30, 40, 50 years ago or three days ago when you came to faith in Christ. The gospel is something that is meant to be the power of God in your life every single day. And, and so throughout the scripture, you find that idea of salvation being wrapped up in, th- in the three tenses of time. There is certainly the sense in which when you come to Christ, it's dealt with all your past sin and it's dealt with everything else. Your sins have been forgiven and you are saved from the penalty of sin at that point. And that's where we tend to stop. But Paul wants us to understand that the power of God that changes lives to those who believe is also effective in the present. That's where the delivery, that's where the the rescuing continues delivering us daily from the power of sin, breaking that sin in our life. Listen, you may be sitting here this morning, you may be saying, Bill, I've trusted Christ, I've, I've been baptized, I've, I've joined a church, I've done all the things you're supposed to do, but, but I have this sin in my life that I just continue to struggle with, and I cannot get loose from it, I cannot break loose from it. Why can't I do it? I would say you need to question whether or not the power of the gospel is active and effective in your life or not. Because the power of the gospel, the present sense, is that we are being saved from the power of sin. We still sin, we still struggle from time to time, but these besetting sins that we just will not say no to, we'll just just will not turn away from by His grace and by His power are, are what need the application of the gospel today. And then there's that future tense of the gospel of salvation. And that is that we will one day be saved from the very presence of sin. We will one day, one day be saved from, from our own sin. We'll not struggle with it anymore. There won't be any sin around us. We will literally be glorified in His presence. There's, there's justification, which we'll talk about as we get into this, this book of Romans. There is sanctification that Paul will, will clearly delineate for us. And then there's glorification, that when we are in the presence of the Lord. And that, that future dimension is, is really what was promised by His ascension. We celebrate this day. When He ascended into heaven, 
and said, victory's been won, the cross is overcome, the gospel is the power of God. I, I want to say to you this morning, friends, one clear thing, the power of God for salvation is great because it includes all that we are, past, present, and future. It breaks the bond of enslavements. It breaks the bonds of sin that have captivated us. So in this gospel message, we recognize we are, we are redeemed, we're adopted, we're changed, we're made safe, we're given a, an unshakable hope for the future that comes through Christ and through the gospel alone. We, we sang about that so much this morning when we prayed, Lord, open the eyes of my heart that I might believe you. And we sang about his holiness and praising his name, about when we said, all I have is Christ. I can't do it on my own. I have to have Christ, and he's all I have. He's all I need. And, and when we talk about the day that's coming, that destined day when we'll see him in all his glory, I mean, all of this saying, all of this talked about the power of God. And we'll close with the power of the cross in a minute. Thinking about what he's accomplished, what he has done. That's why Paul was confident. That's why Paul was not ashamed. That's why Paul could say, I stand firm on this gospel message because the gospel message is the power of God in your life to do what needs to be done in your life today. Not just to get you in, but to help you continue, to help you go. And, and he makes the statement then, it's, it's also to the Jew first, but also to the Greek. Now there's some sense in which he's talking about a chronological, argue, uh, uh, chronological order here, but one thing he's not doing, he's not setting up a two-tier system. Now I'm saying Jews get it first, then, then Greeks can have it after the Jews are done with it or whatever. He's, he's not saying it goes to the Jew first and and then ultimately it'll get to the Greek. He's saying, listen, this is breaking down barriers. It's breaking down social barriers. It's, it's breaking down racial barriers. It's, it's breaking down all barriers. He said to the, uh, to the Galatian Christians, now in Christ there's neither male nor female, slave nor free, you know, Jew or Greek. There, there, there are no boundaries set apart for this great power of God in, in the gospel for salvation. It's for all who believe. Now, that's the, thing that, that's the same thing that triggers this power. It's faith. It's not you getting enough points. It's not you trying hard enough. It's not you saying, I'm, I'm just going to work a little bit more on it, and, and sooner or later I'll get it. No, it's simply by faith. Simply believing. Simply putting your trust in. You say, well, that sounds kind of simple. Yeah, it, it really is. It, it is kind of simple. Now, it doesn't mean that when you believe, nothing happens. Because when you believe, Paul says the power of God is released in your life in such a way that it changes you. It makes you different than what you were. It makes you absolutely something brand new. That's the power of God. And so, so I ask you this morning quite simply, have you come to Christ for faith? Good. Maybe some are here that haven't. I invite you to Christ if that's the case. But, but have you come to Christ for salvation? You say, yeah, I know, I've, I've nailed that down. I've trusted Christ. I trust in Him alone. He's, he, all I have is Christ. 
I, I know it's not by my works, it's by, by His grace and by His righteousness and by, by His power that I am in Him, that I have been saved, set free, delivered, however you want to define it. I know that. Then I would say, are there besetting sins within your life, struggles within your life, that you're just saying, I, I just can't let go of it. I know it's displeasing because I know the word says it's wrong, but I I can't let go. Then I would say to you, you don't understand the full context of the scripture of the gospel. You don't understand the, the full teaching of what God's word says about the gospel because the gospel is given to change you and me. Change us from what we were to what he desires to be. That that great old statement by John Newton who said, I, I, I am not what I ought to be, but by God's grace, I'm not what I used to be. It's the whole idea of the power of the gospel in your life and in my life. We're going to talk about that in depth when we get to the sanctification part of this, of this book. But, but I want you to understand, God's desire is to change you, to change how you see one another, Neither Jew nor Greek, to the Jew first, then to the Greek, but, but neither Jew nor Greek. And the real, the real key to this understanding of the power of the gospel is what we're talking about all year, Coram Deo, living in His presence, living in His Word, living for His glory, living with a desire to be submitted to Him and submitted to His Word no matter what. Paul says the gospel really knows nothing of nominal Christianity. The gospel really knows nothing of just, hey, take it or leave it. When you see the gospel as it fully and really is, it's the power of God that will change you, that will give you life out of death, that will change you, that will move you out of darkness into light for the glory of His name, for the sake of the glory of His name. Where you work, where you live, what you do. For the glory of His name. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation. That's why we need to go to Sherbrooke. That's why we need to go to Colonial Village and Hope Way. That's why we need to go to Quebec City in Montreal. That's why we went to Peru. That's, that, that's why we go. It's because they need to hear the gospel. And we need to see the gospel changing lives. Let's pray.